We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Knicks fans, how you doing? It's your boy John of the Macri with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. I am in a much better mood than I otherwise would have been uh, had last night gone differently. That's one reason I'm in a good mood. The other reason, of course, is it's one of the couple of times a month I get to chat, chat with my buddy Fred Katz. Hi, Fred of the Athletic. How are you? Emphasis on your boy. You've got that boyish face right now. The most clean shaven I've ever seen you. Your, you should your, your see cheeks my are reaction. smoother. Cheeks are smoother than a Cam Reddish Euro step right there. <laughs> of all, of all things, that, that's what you pulled out? I mean, the Cam Reddish Euro step is smooth. It doesn't always work, but it is. It's so smooth that it rarely works, and yet it still gets him like NBA jobs everywhere. Who has the best that's, Euro that's pretty in the Knicks? Julius had a great Euro yesterday against the Clippers. He does not have I, the best Euro on the Knicks. I mean, anything yeah. footwork related offensively, the answer is, is Jalen Brunson. Brunson. Yeah. Yeah. The answer no, is always Jalen Brunson. That's a but good Hart, uh, Josh Hart, Josh Hart has, a, has a good Euro. Yeah. Uh, there's some good Euros on the Knicks, um, but uh, none, none, as, none as pretty as Cam Reddish's. Um, all right. So we get to talk after a win. Which I'm really happy about because I didn't. I mean, I always like to talk to you, but I, I don't know. Should we dip into a world where they where they're coming off a loss? I don't even know what that would look like. But like, man, well, let me ask you that because let's start there because I made yesterday's game. We're recording this on on Tuesday night. I made yesterday's game out to be a big deal, and you wrote something in your column today, which is excellent as always. And I couldn't tell how like what you actually felt about it because you just made the point that like in the NBA. One game, a, a, a loss against the wrong team in the wrong sort of situation can make things. It seem like the world is is collapsing, and a win against the right team in the right situation can make it seem like everything's hunky dory. Like if we were sitting here and they were two and five, let's say they lost a close game, and but everything else was relatively the same. Like Randall played a little bit better. Do you think that that would be a big deal uh, for them to be two and five? I don't know. It's hard to say because it's not the reality of the situation, but. I, I I have not really been discouraged by their start to the season, to be honest. They they and Boston both shot like crap during the Boston game. I actually thought they played pretty well during that game. Boston ended up eking it out. That's fine. Boston's really good. They lost the game to that injury-ravaged uh, Cavs team that they shouldn't have at home. And sometimes you just lose a game that you shouldn't. Uh, the Bucks game... You know, Brunson just needed someone and they couldn't hit a shot. They haven't been making their shots. Julius, basically, if Julius just plays like 2021, 22 Julius, the one when every every single Knicks fan wanted to bite his head off, like not not all NBA Julius, just no, I, just I, the I, version I that every Knicks fan wanted to to yeah. bite his head off. If he were just that over the first six games, they'd have been three and three or four and two, you know? So Great point. I, 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 I I think so much of it just falls on. They lost some close games. Randall was 
you know, just not himself in any capacity. Looks a lot better against the Clippers. Um, and there's been some encouraging stuff. The defense has been really good. And Mitchell Robinson, I'm sure we'll talk about, has been next level. And RJ has been really good too. Uh, but I, I just, I didn't really make that much of the two and four star. It didn't really change my opinion on them I, as a team. Let me ask it a slightly different way. I don't want to spend too much time on a, a thing that is has not happened. But like, yeah, obviously, you've been covering the NBA a long time. Do you have you seen a situation or have you heard of situations where just like the snowball starts going down? And even if the team is, as you're saying, like the Knicks, are, we, we're pretty confident the Knicks are a good team, but like they just can't. Once once momentum starts in, a, in the wrong way, they like can't they can't stop it. Yeah, hundred percent. I covered, I actually covered a team like that. The 1920 wizards. Uh, they, not that they like would have been great, but I got off to this terrible start and they just totally derailed. But that was also the personality of that team. I don't think it's the personality of this one. Like, okay. I mean, I brought this up on this podcast before, right? This is basically the same team as last year from the coaching staff to the players to everything. Right. And last year they're six and seven and everyone's like, Tibbs is fired if they lose again and they come back and have a nice run. And then they blow that lead to, to Denver or to uh, Dallas to in the Dallas, second half yeah. on December 2nd. They come back the next day. Third. Tibbs changes the rotation. Well, they come back on the third. They blow the lead on the second, right? Or no. They come back on the fourth? I, listen, there are, I'm not Andrew Claudio who like remembers dates going back like years and years. December 3rd being the Dallas game is a date that will forever stay etched in my mind. And December 4th was the Cavs game because it was back okay. to back. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Oh, well. Corrected. I'll just... Listen, if I can correct the great Fred Katz. Point point is totally baseless, but I'll try it anyway. Uh, I they just come back the next day and they're fine, right? They go on that huge run when everyone's like, oh, their season's done, they're over. So I just two and four is just like nothing. You know, I just it doesn't it depends on the personality of the team. There are some people who are really affected by things. There are other people who are really unaffected by things. I think this team mostly has personalities who are unaffected for different reasons. Like I think RJ is unaffected. Jalen Brunson is unaffected because they're extremely even keel personalities. I think Mitch is unaffected because Mitch just lives in his own world. We're getting Mitch is like the same way how like Manny Ramirez was unbelievable in the playoffs every year, you know? And you're like, does Manny even know it's the playoffs? Mitch is Mitch is kind of reaching. Mitch is kind of reaching. That level where Mitch is just in his own world. And Same uh, initials. by the way, using it, there you go. By the way, using 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 it to his advantage now, because that dude is playing the best basketball of his entire life, including the Cavs series. He's been better than the Cavs series. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So let's start with Mitch because here's how good Mitch was. You had a column, which again came out on Tuesday, um, in which you're going. You, I want to hit on all the points in your column because it was excellent, and I think it really encapsulates where the Knicks are after seven games and the things that are worth talking about. Um, aside from the Julius thing, which you wrote about in a separate column a few days ago, which we can talk about that too. Uh, and you, the first two points that you discussed were. Mitchell Robinson, and it was you discussed his offensive rebounding, and then you discussed his uh, his defense. And I am not sure which to make a bigger deal about. 
um, because as was as you pointed out in the piece, I I noted it today on Twitter. A few other people did as well. He's currently uh, rebounding, offensive rebounding at a rate that uh, nobody ever has in the history of the sport. So there's that. But the thing that got me was when we were texting a little bit earlier about the pod, and you made it, you. I want to preface this by saying you say a lot of smart things, Fred. I think this is one of the smart, like the most insightful things you've ever said. When you're like, you, I. I I should probably just go read your text, but it was basically just read the text. Just read the text. Just read the text. Do it. No, Call it up. Find the text, and then we call up the text. The whole thing. We'll see. Okay. We'll see how I. Go. Oh, I got we'll it. See okay. how I text without punctuation and everything. There we go. Uh, his length and discipline in passing lanes has changed their defense. All of a sudden, and this is the key part: they're a defense with all of Thibodeau's low risk principles and a super high turnover rate. And that was what really connected it all for me because now with his hands everywhere and you noted in the piece, like he's just keeping his hands up all the time. His hands are up, his hands are out, his hands are never down at his sides and he's a frequently long wingspan. Um, and he's always in, seems to be in the, the right area. Generally, uh, you know, Benji was pointing out his stance is really great. So like that guy is just a nightmare to have to make passes anywhere in his vicinity. And yet they still have their low risk as you pointed out principles so it's like i feel like tibbs kind of gets to have his cake and eat it too i i when you pointed that out i'm like huh maybe there really is an all defense case here being made slowly but surely by this player I, we're, we're not there yet but yeah no we're not there yet it's only been seven games but if he plays like this for an entire season yeah there definitely is because the thing for him was always number one from a really young age it was not chasing blocks and just generally being in the right place. And then it became to more subtle, subtle versions of making the right play, right? It was being in the right spot and pick and roll coverage, calling out the right thing on defense. And then not just calling out the right thing, but calling out the other team's play really early in the possession, right? Noticing it quickly so that everybody knows where to be and calling out where your defenders should be. Then it was making sure your hands are, are either out or up, as Benji put it, all the time. Uh, and And then it was just kind of doing all of that every single night. Consistency. Which is often the hardest thing. And it seems so simple and it almost sounds like coach speak. But we've we've we saw Mitchell Robinson had some beastly games last season where you're like, damn, how many times how many times have you said on this podcast over the years, man, if that dude could just show up every night, what a monster. Fred, he's showing up saying it three years ago. He's showing up, but but his 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 baseline play now is better than his top line play three years ago. Because sure. yeah, that's fair. he didn't that's have fair. this kind of discipline as a pick and roll defender. He he didn't have this kind of placement. He wasn't getting his hands into passing lanes like this. He he didn't understand how to use space. He didn't understand how to how to guard two guys at once. He is amazing in a pick and roll at guarding the ball handler and the roller at the same time. Not just having that length, but knowing how to use it. He has become really legitimately incredible at it. Uh, he's so far from just a shot blocker. There was a play in the Clippers game last night where he had to switch out onto Kawhi Leonard on the perimeter and Kawhi took him right. And Mitch just, Kawhi couldn't get to the, to the rim. He could not get to the rim. He had to drive past the rim to the other side of the floor and shot an uncomfortable eight footer over Mitch right in his face. And Kawhi airballed it. And like, that's, that's early season, healthy first ballot hall of fame, Kawhi Leonard. (laughs) Yeah. This is not like Kawhi coming back from a knee. Yeah. This is not some random bench player. This is a guy who, when he's healthy, is first team All NBA good, yes. MVP good, yeah. and that's how Mitch is guarding him on a switch. I mean, he is just—it's not because he's more physically talented than he was two years ago. It's because he just knows how to do this crap now. He is so much better, and, and for some guys, it look—it's no secret that Mitch lives in his own world. It's no secret that Mitch kind of had to learn how to work when he first came into the league. I don't think he ever had uh, the intentions of not being a worker. I don't think he came in being like, I'm not going to work. I'm going to slack off. It's just like he had he had his, you know, his three seconds in college where he didn't actually play and comes up from a very different background for most people where he doesn't necessarily have a Tibbs like attitude instilled in him. And he had to learn that stuff. 
And he has. Uh, and I think that's showing in his night to night consistency where that dude is just, he's just bringing it. He's just been, honestly, he's been dominant. I don't think I'm overstating it. You know, in a weird way, is he like, is he a student of the game? I, whatever you take that to mean, <laughs> I wouldn't call him a student of the game. I, I think he, I think he, I think he cares for all the crap that he talks about wanting to do crossovers and stuff. I, I think he cares about being really, really dominant in his role. And people talk all the time about, oh, Mitch is complaining about his role, this or that. And I never get the sense that the players care. And he puts out like a Snapchat about how he should have played more. I always get the sense that like the players kind of have the same reaction that we do. Like I remember last year he put out some Snapchat about complaining about how he should have closed over Hartenstein, who's like his very good friend. And I spoke about it with some of the guys and and one of the players told me like, yeah, yeah, we saw it. We were second. He Snapchatted it. We were all sharing the Snapchat on the plane. Like we were sending screenshots to each other on the plane and just being like, Mitch, what are you doing? You, you lunatic. What are you doing? Seriously? And Harten, yeah, yeah. And Hartenstein, I talked about heart. I talked about it with Hartenstein. He was like, ah, yeah, it's Mitch. It's hilarious. He's the best. And it's like, if Hartenstein doesn't give a crap and he's the yeah. one who Mitch is like, I should have been closing. Uh, and they, they are legitimately like really close. They're really That's close. That's awesome. That's really then, cool. Then I think like sometimes because Mitch is so Mitch, he's just so incredibly Mitch all the time. Uh, I think, I think people brush that off from the outside. It looks like he wants a bigger role and I'm sure he does. Cause like who wouldn't, but like for the most part, he, it's not like he, like Dwight Howard would attempt the occasional jumper, you know? Yes. And you'd be like, Oh, Dwight, Dwight, that's not your game. You know, we all know guys who do that thing out of their role. He never does anything out of his role and nobody ever throws him a lob. And sometimes when they do on the rare occasion, try to throw him a lob, Julius Randle just misses and throws it right into the rim. Like he doesn't even get those opportunities. And so so, he's still playing his ass off. So like, I I think he should be nothing but commended for the way he's been playing this year. I think he's been, he's been incredible. He's been amazing. Uh, You can't say enough about it. And you, and you wrote a lot about the offensive rebounding, which like, this would be a cool thing to follow. I hope I hope it keeps up. Maybe, you know, I again is it gonna keep up at this like I forget what Rodman season he's ahead of, but like what they're all amazing. Uh that would be something that would be fun to do. Well, track. he's ahead of all Rodman seasons. Yes, I, I understand, but the, I forget which one is is in ninety four ninety five is the record. Twenty point eight percent offensive rebound rate. With with San Antonio, I remember that. That was when he yep. led league in rebounding and, and David Robinson Love league and scoring because he scored like 70 or whatever on the last day of the season. Right. And one MVP. And how's that aging? Famously, famously yes. beat out Akeem for MVP. I, I, I will say, I actually think that arguably crazier than Mitch having the best offensive rebound rate of all time right now is that his offensive rebound rate is better than the offensive rebound rate of seven teams, nice. which is. It's wild. Like when you put it in perspective, so offensive rebound rate is what percentage of your team's misses do you rebound while you're on the floor? So his is about 20%, which means about one in every five Knicks misses in Mitchell Robinson rebounds. There are seven teams that don't have, his is 20.9. There are seven teams that have an offensive rebound rate worse than him. That's, that's five guys combining to rebound worse than he does. That's ridiculous. And you know what's amazing? You know what shows how 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 valuable a one a one guy, just a dominant guy on the glass like that can be? You know who one of those seven teams is? The Memphis Grizzlies. Oh who, wow. Who I believe are dead last in the NBA in offense right now. And people focus on John not being there. Part of the reason why that team had struggled for so long, or I shouldn't say struggled, but part of the the consistent struggles that they had for so long, even though they were such a good team in spite of it, was that their half-court offense could go dormant. And what their half-court offense was built on was that Jock could carry it. And when they missed shots, Steven Adams and Brandon Clark would recover everything. And if Mitch isn't the best offensive rebounder in the league, it's because Steven Adams is. And now Steven Adams is out for the year. 
Brandon Clark is hurt. Jaw's not there, but especially that offensive rebounding dives. And now all of a sudden Memphis, I think is last in points per possession. Uh, it, it's, it's such an incredible fall off without, without Adams and without Brandon Clark, but especially Adams who is in as good as Mitch on the offensive and, boards. And it, it kind of shows from far away how valuable Mitch is to the Knicks offense right now. Yeah. And I think even like the attention is probably like you were kind of just alluded to it. The attention it, it, it has not been as much on Adams going down. I mean, amongst people who like really follow the sport closely, it has, but like casual fans, like don't think of the Steven Adams thing like these. I think the reality is that if you're a non, you know, Jokic and bead cat, Bam, I don't, I, I don't know if you want to throw a couple other guys in there. Center in the league today, it, you're just kind of viewed differently. I mean, which I, you know, there are reasons for that, and and, and we don't have to get too deep into it. But that's, that's, I just bring it up because I when I asked you guys earlier today, we're over under Mitch ten percent uh, chance for All Star team, but <laughs> y'all took the under, which I don't think is wrong. By the way, I, I don't think it's wrong. I would take the under too. I just. You know, he's been their best player. They're a pretty good team. And yet, because he's a center that doesn't put up scoring numbers or, or you know, he's, he's just not going to get that consideration. Yeah, no way. He's averaging like six points a game. Guys, guys who guys like that don't make the all-star team unless it's like a legacy all-star team. Like Tyson Chandler won defensive player of the year before he got all-star. Yep. Uh, DeAndre Jordan made first team all NBA before he made all-star. That's a good call. You know, and team USA. Call. Yeah. Team USA before he made All Star. Like when those guys make All Star, it's a it's a legacy thing. It's okay, you've done it for so many years. Throw them on. Like Rudy Gobert was winning Defensive Players of the Year and and struggling to make it. And even he had some numbers. Like it wasn't a lot, but he was at what was he averaging? Like 13, 14 points a game. It was something, you know, right. to to at least hang your hat on. Anyway, um, Mitch has been awesome. Uh, okay, Mitch let's could go average there. more, but they yeah, never could. throw him lobs. Like only RJ oh. throws him. Julius tried two to him last night. And they resulted in two buckets, but only one lob. And and uh, RJ will throw it to him. But Brunson never really throws lobs. Um, and they just don't get him to match. Yeah, I wish Brunson was a little bit better at that. Um, I don't know if it's a... I mean, he's short. I don't know if that's the issue. But I, I, wonder, I would imagine they, they wish he was better at it too. Yeah, I mean, look, Brunson's... He's not a great passer out of being trapped. No. Like out of double teams, anything like that. Like, look at look at how they handle when he gets blitzed in a pick and roll. Two defenders come at him, right? Somebody sets a screen. His own defender comes after him. The defender for the screener comes after him. And instead of him hitting the roller, which he very rarely does, but somebody who is bigger might do, what do they do? They send up an outlet on the other side of the court. And Brunson normally swings to the to the second side. Randall or RJ or someone, and then that person initiates from there, and that's that's usually how they beat traps. Uh, Brunson just doesn't really find rollers. It's definitely something he can uh, he can improve on. I remember Benji made an incredible point last year that he could really benefit by learning that little hook lob that Chris Paul and Darius oh, Garland yeah. are so good at. That little fake hook, hook shot lob could could really help him. Yeah, that'd be nice. Um, Brunson's been a little off this season. Uh, do, you don't think there anybody's worried about? I'm not worried about Brunson. Do you? you don't think anybody's worried about Brunson, right? Nah, he's operating the same. Missing yeah. floaters. It happens. Um, it happens. Let's go. Let's alternate. It's too early ahead. to analyze this crap, John. Except, except I know, but it's we have a we have a podcast to put on. I was gonna, what were you gonna say? No, I was just gonna say it's like the 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 percentages and stuff like whatever if the process looks looks how i expect it to be and the percentages aren't there yet the numbers aren't there yet for anybody i'm like okay the reason i'm so impressed with mitch is not because of the offensive rebound rate like it's not like last year yeah his, his offensive rebound rate isn't that different from what it was last year i bet you if he got like three fewer offensive rebounds this year um, in total it would yeah. he'd have the same offensive rebound rate as he did last year. Like it could just be a case because it's so early into the season of the ball bouncing to him a couple of times. But what's been so impressive with Mitch is that like he is going about his job completely differently. He is performing completely differently. And he's become a fantastic defensive player. And it really looks like that's just going to continue. 
Um, you know, with Brunson, it's like, all right, he's missed some floaters. Yeah. You know, then he has the Bucks game where he goes like 10 for 10 or whatever it was in the paint. I'm sure I'll have another one of those coming up and the numbers will eventually even out. I changed my mind. We're going to stick positive for a second. Um, it's, I mean, it's all going to be positive because even the Julius conversation can be positive after last night. Uh, RJ, uh, you wrote today about his decision making and your first line of that section of your article was this feels real. And um, it really does. And it's crazy that it's, it's been, well, it's not just five games because it, he looked good in the preseason too. Like I think there was some, some carryover and again, preseason means nothing, but it means a little something. And obviously we had the playoffs. Um, yeah. What's interesting to you about it. And in terms of like moving forward for this team, like if RJ continues to play like this at this level, which I think we, I think he can, what do you think that means for them? And I, I know you could take that in a lot of directions. So I'll just leave it very vague. So I'll take you behind the scenes for a sec. Oh, please. Um, so part of the reason I said this feels real is because I know some stuff that I didn't put in that article. You because I'm saving it because I'm saving it for an RJ article. But I had a great on the record conversation with RJ about his improvement. And one of the things we talked about is we went through um, a couple of plays of his on passes and what he is looking at now versus what he wasn't before. And in the New Orleans game, he had this great pass to Josh Hart in the corner. It was probably not remarkable enough for anybody to remember off the top of their head. But the play is basically RJ is going left off of a pick and roll. Hart is in the weak side corner. RJ swings a no look over his head to Hart in the corner and he hits him. Hart misses the three. The game goes on. But I had never really seen RJ make that pass. Like he'll make the pass to the corner once he gets to the paint. But that's it. And I was asking him about that play. I asked him, where are you looking? Like, when do you see Hart? Is it just out of your periphery? Like, when, when do you see Hart? When do you decide you're going to make that pass? He said, I never saw Hart. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, I saw his defender. I saw him looking at, when I'm there, I'm That's looking really at his cool. defender. And I saw his defender come into the lane. So I didn't even see him, but I just knew if his defender is in the lane, he's got to be in the corner. And I know if his defender's off of him, Josh isn't leaving the corner. So I just threw the ball to the corner and Josh was there. And I asked him, I was like, really cool. I was like, is that, is that your process a year ago? He's like, no, no, I, I don't, I don't, I don't see that. Um, it was a really cool interaction. Uh, it was, it was really interesting to hear how he's developed. He's 23. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's like Mitch. Mitch is the longest tenured Nick. He feels like he's been around since the beginning of time, but he's 25. Yeah. You know, he's really young. Like it takes this is the beginning part of his prime, probably. You know, it's wild. RJ, RJ is not even in the beginning part of his prime in all likelihood. You know, like so much of this stuff when it comes to learning the game, understanding the game, understanding the speed of the game. And I'll, I'll have that that RJ tidbit in, in Narjay's story that I'll write in a week or two. Um, but it kind of got derailed by the RJ injury. Screw me over again. But he, I just thought that was really interesting. And that's part of why I'm like, this is real. Because when I, when I talk to him and I ask him, like, is that a play you make a year ago? He's, he's pretty open about it. He's like, no, it's, it's not. Uh, and I've, I've had a series of conversations with him like that. I'll save some of them for the story. Yeah. Uh, but, but, it really got the point across to me of like, he's very openly thinking the game in a very different way, processing the game at a very different speed. He's his quote, not mine. The game is really slowing down for me. Uh, and I, I believe that I, it's showing. It looks the way it. That he's playing. Yeah. It's showing he's doing a, a really good job. I mean, I, I, I know you just said early season, small sample size, like don't pay attention to the numbers. I was taken aback when I looked and, and you pointed out in the article, like he's not going to shoot. What is he from three right now? 44%. 44. Okay. So he's not going to shoot 44% from three for the rest of the, the season. That is, that should go without saying um, for the moment, at least he's carrying 
it's it's I think it's fifty nine point nine uh, true shooting percentage. And I I say true shooting on purpose and not affect the field goal percentage because the free throw shooting is up around it's somewhere in the mid eighties. That to me feels like it might be real, right? And and the other part of it is like the 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 um, three point percentage is very high, which is but the reason he's not over sixty is because on twos. He's actually not that efficient on twos this year. He's in, I think I looked at cleaning the glass earlier today. I want to say he's in the thirties, maybe in, in terms of percentile for wings around the league um, or whereabouts. Like he's not, he's not hitting twos at like a prolific rate. So I, I kind of want to say like, even if the three point shooting percentage comes down, if the process stays like it is, I think he's going to get even better from inside the arc. I mean, this is a wild jump in efficiency for a player who has been dogged by efficiency issues for, Basically, basically his entire career. That's the thing. I I was really was looking at the numbers last night. I was like, wow, I didn't realize this. It was that good. The people look, RJ's always been polarizing, right? The people who are out on RJ point at the efficiency. They point at the lack of natural feel and and the the struggles with his decision making and all of that. We we've talked about it on this podcast a million times. And Dean yes. Wade's name has been brought up. But the the pro RJ people, the RJ optimists, and I'm not talking about like uh, people on the outside. I'm talking about like the people around RJ who are like, no, 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 he he will be good. The people who believe that believe it more based on like they bet on personality. Like part of that extension was a bet on personality. It was no, this guy cares about the right things, works really hard, is wise beyond his years. If anyone's going to figure out, figure it out, it's him. He's going to figure it out eventually. Eventually, he'll put this together and he will become a more complete, more competent player. And that is something that we've seen so far this year. I agree with you. I've always said the biggest thing for him, in my opinion, is not the three-point shooting. It's the decision-making and the lack of uh, kind of not not predetermining what he's going to do before he even gets the ball. Read the game. And he's... Read the game. The game will tell you what to do. Game will tell you what to you do. <laughs> Love it. By the way, uh, J- Jalen Brunson at the Bucks game. Do you know what Jalen Brunson wore to the Bucks game? I don't. If anybody ever asks, like, about Jalen Brunson and Tibbs's relationship, by the way, people are like, "Do the players really hate playing for Tibbs?" I'm going to use this anecdote from now on. I look over at Brunson's locker after the game. They just lost to the Bucks. I look at his, his locker. He's wearing a shirt and it says the magic is in the work, <laughs> which is like Tibbs's thing. That's like Tibbs is saying. That's not like us saying. That's like Tibbs's it's thing. Tibbs is thing. I feel time. like I haven't heard it in a while, though. I, I haven't heard it in a while. He hasn't yeah. used it as often. Uh, but but I, I was like, Jalen, are you really wearing a magic is in the work t shirt? Where did you even get that? And he said, this is a Sandra Brunson production. Sandra's his mother. His oh, mother wow. made a The Magic is in the Work t-shirt for him. And he just oh. chose to wear it to the game. So, 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 so <laughs> they're, they're in on tips. <laughs> but I, 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 think, I think the RJ decision-making is real. And I, I think I agree with you. He's not taking those like, crazy throw them up eight feet from the rim at a triple yeah. teams plays he had a really good play against the Clippers actually which, which I, I think I think he would have done this differently in the past where Paul George was really pushing him to drive right so we went right against Paul George and met uh, Zubats at the rim and he went and he pump faked. And normally when he goes for that little up and under at the rim, what he does is he, he'll either go straight to the rim or he'll stop, do a little fake, try to get his guy up in the air, and then he'll pivot and shoot a little fade away with his left hand. Yeah. And he does that all the time at the rim. And instead, he stopped. He went up for a ball fake. Zubats left his feet. And then RJ just finished the layup. He went right back up like he was a big mm-hmm. man and just finished the layup with his right hand. I was like, he didn't really used to do that. That's a variation on that move that he didn't really have. He's just becoming more refined. Uh, that was clearly, I'm sure that's like a move he's worked on. 
But that also clearly was an adjustment. It was, okay, Zubat's closed out this way. He can test my shot this way. I can go right up. That was that was him reading the game a little quicker. I, I just think his game is a lot more evolved now. And it's 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 very it's very encouraging. It's I, very encouraging. Well, that's that's why I asked the other part of it. And like we, we don't have to get I mean, we don't have to get into this now, but I, I I'm you know me. I'm always thinking big picture. I'm always thinking what is the team thinking in terms of like Okay, eventually, like, what are the moving pieces? Where are they? Gonna, who, who's it going to be? This and that. Like, if this progresses, he is a player that becomes. I can't believe I'm going to say this. I think he becomes a player that's really difficult to include in a in a trade package, unless it is, of course, obviously for, you know, but name name one of a handful of players in the league. But I, I imagine that that is maybe not how they viewed him previously. But that's just me. Talking out of my ass, I, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, the problem is that the target is going to be one of those handful of players in the league. It, well, yeah, there you go. Um, can I make one more RJ point? Please, yes. His his defense is back to where it was a couple of years ago. Yeah, it's been good. Yeah, it's been good. Last year, he had such a down season defensively. That was I'm the most totally disappointing sure part of last season for for him. I'm, for not, I'm not totally sure why. I don't really know why it happened. It's not like he doesn't care about defense, you know? Um, but his defense has been good. He's he's been most of the guys have been good defensively, honestly. They've played really well defensively. That has not been the issue. Hey, Benji's been talking a lot about Brunson's defense in particular. He's he seems to have taken more more pride in that end of the court um this year as opposed to last year. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What's up, Knicks fans? Quick break to tell you about AG1. Going into this season, I decided it was time to make a change. My digestion didn't feel its best. I felt sluggish, stressed, didn't feel as focused, and knew I needed to do something different. So I decided to give AG1 a try because I wanted better gut health, a boost in energy, and I hated taking pills or vitamins. Well, when I started drinking AG1 daily, not only could I see a difference in my daily health, but I finally had energy and noticed how much more relaxed and focused I was. That's because AG1 is a foundational nutrition supplement that supports your body's universal needs, such as gut optimization, stress management, and immune support. Since 2010, AG1 has led the future of foundational nutrition, continuously refining their formula to create a smarter, better way to evaluate your baseline health. Fun fact, I recommended AG1 to all my friends, family, and Mrs. Claudio. We drink AG1 first thing in the morning to make sure we have the energy needed to take on a busy day. There's no debate, AG1 AG1 is the supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash filmschool. That's drink. That's drinkag1.com slash filmschool. Check it out. I want to talk about Julius briefly. Uh, you did a big Julius piece a few days ago and it hit on all of the things. Uh, last night, certainly encouraging. Um, I So you did, when you were rattling off players who were very even killed, notice you did not mention Julius Randle's name. Uh, I, how do you think the team deals with when he's going through it? I, what do you get a, any sense where that's concerned? I think the beauty of continuity is not just knowing like other guys on court habits. I think the beauty of continuity is also knowing like the Julius Randall experience. And most of these guys know the Julius Randall experience. Many of them. We're here two years ago when that experience really went awry. Uh, I, 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 I just, even last year when he had such a fantastic season, there were still moments, you know, 
there were still moments. There were still moments when he wasn't running back in transition or when sure. he had, you know, the the flip out on Emmanuel quickly in that Orlando game or that was fun. whatever. Like there's still those those frustrating Randall moments. I think the team understands that those are part of the package. I also don't think any reasonable person expected him to shoot just like 27% the rest of the season. Well, because it was honestly, okay, here's my Randall take. (laughs) Should be great. He was so bad the first six games that it actually made me more encouraged for him than if he had played a little better. Like I get he, where you're going there. If I get, you were shooting I get, like thirty four percent and and just going through the motions the same way and shooting thirty four percent, I'd be like, damn, are we gonna have another 2021, 22 yeah. Julius? But this was so much worse than anything we could ever imagine, not just from Julius Randall, but from like any player coming off of an all NBA season. Any player coming off of any season, just like a twenty seven percent shooting season on fifteen shots a game. Like it's Think of the worst season you can possibly think of. He, like this would be way worse than that. Here's how bad it is. He had a decent night last night. He is still in the zero with zero with that's the word percentile, including the class. He hit twenty seven <laughs> last night. Hit twenty seven point last night, and he played well, yeah. and and played efficiently, and attacked, yeah. and was good. And he's still shooting under thirty percent from the field. I know. And, and so, like. He's so down that I'm just like, I don't even count it. I don't even know what the hell this is. It's like, it's like if I were to turn in, tell my editors, I would never do this. I'm very obsessive. It's like if I were to turn in a story that I just like blatantly didn't proofread and there were typos all over it. And I did that for five straight stories. And everyone be like, okay, obviously something's going on with Fred and he's not able to proofread his stories. I don't think Fred's writing just just went to crap like this. At least like he's not going to have like, typos and grammatical yeah. errors everywhere, you know? Yeah. And so like, it's, it's, it's almost like that. It's like Julius Randall hasn't been proofreading his work. I, I just, I, I just, it, it was, it's genuinely baffling to watch him operate the way he did the first six games, no matter what your perspective on Randall is. No matter what, I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with my doorman where they're like, oh, Julius Randall's back. And I'm like, no, 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 no. 27%. He's shooting 27%. No one does this. No one does this. He's not going to do this. Um, I will ask you this just because I, I know the next bad game he has. I'm going to get a million questions about it because I've already gotten a million questions about it this season. Like, I've my biggest thing, and I've said this on the spot, and I've told you this before. My biggest, like, if I could know one thing, like the truth, like give give Leon Rose truth serum, and find out about one one position he has. For me, it would be, what does the team actually think about Julius Randle, and like, where is their stance on him long term? Do they think he could be part of the ultimate solution if the goal is to win a championship? Do they think okay, he he could be a top three player on the on on that sort of roster? Um, He's obviously he's not going anywhere this year. Right? It doesn't matter how bad he plays, but like, I don't know. Like, where just where do you? Th- what are your thoughts on that? Because I feel like we haven't we haven't talked about that in a while. And if you want to punt because it's a ridiculous question to ask seven games in, but I'm just I'm curious about it, and I know people are curious about it. So I'll ask you. It's not a ridiculous question. I, I just I it's a very good question, as Andrew just said in our in our private chat comments right now. And actually, Andrew said it's a good question. I added the very because I am kinder than Andrew. You are. Thank you, sirs. Uh, I think there are some people in that front office who would tell you that they don't think he's that guy that he can hold them back to a degree. And I think there are other people in the front office who believe if you just slot him as a number three, behind a really, really legit MVP level number one, and Brunson is a number two, he will fall in line because he respects the hell out of Jalen Brunson and really likes Jalen Brunson. I mean, they have a, they have a great relationship. He, he really respects Jalen so much. And if you bring in an MVP caliber player, then he's going to have that same sort of reaction to that guy. And there are people who believe that too. Quite honestly, I, I personally, like I'm, I'm torn. 
I'm, I, there's some days where I wake up and I'm like, you just can't have a guy walking back in transition all the time and be okay with that. You just, you just can't. And, 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 and the way he operates, I mean, this is just the way I watch basketball, but the way he operates is what I think is the bigger problem than just the missed shots. Cause eventually he'll figure out how to make more shots than he was before, but it was, you know, the walking back in transition, the, the ISOs on Giannis at the end of that Milwaukee game yep. was just, we're not, not worthwhile. But sometimes I'm like, I think sometimes Julius thinks different things are going on in his head than what he's actually doing. Like, like after the Milwaukee game, I, I asked him about the late game ISOs on Giannis. And this was all very good natured, to be clear. Um, I think Julius gets a bad rap for being like aggressive with the media when he's not at all. Uh, this was all very good natured. But I, I asked him about the late game ISOs on Giannis. And he was like, you're wrong. I was coming off a pin down. And, and I didn't have all of them off the top of my head. I was like, maybe one of them you were coming off a pin down, okay. but the other, the others were ISOs. Right. And he was, and I'm like, I'm, I'm like, am I losing my mind? He's like, no, I was caught. I caught those balls on the move. Like those, I was, I was, a, there was a pin down that's catching it on the move. Like, and then, and then I was like, I couldn't remember what all 10 players were doing on the floor. Sure. Right. Because I'm not. Emmanuel quickly. And so I just say, I say, okay, Julius, hy- hypothetically, like I, I actually want to know your answer to this now. Hypothetically, if you catch a ball coming off a pin down, then you stop and you let your defender recover onto you and you kind of square him up and then you go. Do you count that as catching the ball on the move or do you count that as one on one play? You and he kind of like, yeah. And, and he like laughed and tapped me on the back of the knee and said, now you're just making stuff up, Fred. And it was a very good natured interaction. But then I went back and I rewatched the plays and one of them, he was coming off a pin down. He kind of stopped and Giannis squared him up, but you know what? I'll, I'll allow it. I think he could say, I caught it on the move. And I think it counts as on the move. And by the way, that's, that's the one he scored on. That's what I was about uh, to say. And the last two, I was right. They were just kickouts. And so this was like right after the game. I, I, I tend to give players, I didn't write it, because I tend to give players the benefit of the doubt during post-game stuff. Sure. Playing an NBA game is such an insane adrenaline, adrenaline rush. And, and I always tend to give guys the benefit of the doubt after post-game. Like, your mind is elsewhere, you know? But, like, I was also like, this is so weird. Like, I went back and I immediately watched those plays because I'm like, am I going crazy? And, and, and they were both just, like, kickouts where he got the ball waited and squared up Giannis and, and, and missed a couple of shots at the rim. One of them blocked by Brooke Lopez. And yeah. I, I, I just, I think sometimes Julius kind of like thinks he's doing something different than he's actually doing. Like, I don't think he, he, yeah. I think he, his intentions are to do the right thing. I don't think he's like, I know the right thing would be to move this, but I'm not going to I think it's like his intentions are to do the right thing. And, and something is just, I don't know. I don't know how to put it. Something's just not, not there. Like, but then there are other nights where you're like, man, this guy is attacking and he's looking like one of the best passing power forwards in the NBA. And it's just like, it just goes back and forth. I don't really know. I mean, we all, we all know people. You may be one of these people, Fred. I don't know who, when they get distracted by things in the moment, they, you know, it's like the, the the frazzled mom who puts the car keys in the fridge, or frazzled dad for, for that matter who puts the car keys in the fridge, like stuff like that. And I, I I I'm hearing you talk, and I'm like, does he not realize he's not hustling back on defense because he's thinking about the call that he didn't get or thought he was supposed to get on the other end? Because we see him react that way sometimes. I, this is you. I, I mean. I'm gonna say Julius is old and Julius can't get better. He does continue to get better in, in myriad ways with each year. But in this specific aspect that you're bringing up here, and I appreciate you sharing that story, that was awesome. Um, that to me is not something that I would feel comfortable saying, well, that's gonna change or he's gonna grow out of this a- aspect of it, which then leads me to something that you were saying earlier or a few moments ago about with like, can you ever? win at the highest level when you have a player who has these qualities and does these things. And that goes back for me, at least to, to does it require having a coach who is 
more willing to, to I, mean, I don't know what analogy when you use, you know, pull the pull the plug, not permanently, but like, you know, if 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 it's not going well, it's like, OK, well, you're you're going to play 25 minutes tonight. This year is not the the example to use because they don't have another power forward on the roster. And we know Julius is going to play 35 minutes tonight. It's just the case. But like, let's say they get that that MVP level player. And, you know, and that brings me back to Tibbs. And that's the other question I get asked all the time is like, what is, you know, Tibbs is in love with Julius Randle. He's never going to, you know, be, you know, he's never going to be hard, hard, show hard love to Julius. And I, I just always go back to like, Tibbs is going to do whatever he thinks gives him the best chance to win. And I think he's doing this right now because he thinks he gives the best chance to win. And I, I wonder sometimes, does he think this is where he's going to lose Julius if he, if he tries to push more? And, and these are the things I just, and then you ask yourself these questions. You're like, well, would it be easier not to have to ask these questions and to have a player who is a little bit more reliable? But I, I don't, I don't know what to do with any. I mean, whether this stuff can change, we've seen stuff like this change. Like look at Andrew Wiggins on the Warriors. Remember how people used to talk about Andrew Wiggins and, and that took a, that took a change of environment. He went from a place where he wasn't, where he wasn't coached to, to, you know, an all time culture. Right. Yes. And that was a huge change for him. And he immediately bought in. Sure. But, but who knows, you know, they could bring in a third star who's a great basketball fit and Julius could just fall in line. And all of a sudden he gets really hot for a series. And now you're in the finals. You know what I mean? Like I'm, he's capable. He's tremendously talented. And on nights when he comes out with that intensity, he's an awesome player. And and I didn't have a vote last year, but I would have voted for him for all NBA. Like I, I, I did it out. Like I, I would have had him on my ballot. Like I think he's a great player. It's just, it's, it's not, it's not always there. It's just, you wish the intensity could be more consistent, but at the same time, like the intensity is pretty consistent for the rest of the roster. Like, I don't think there's yeah. an intensity issue with anybody else who they play, whether it's somebody in their rotation or not, you know? And, yeah. and I, I, I think you can have that with one guy because that guy could also show up and be Ooh. freaking awesome. Like you can get away with that with one guy. You can't get away with that with a whole team of guys. Then you're the Washington wizards. Yeah, and and again, this is a theoretical conversation because we're talking about what happens if they get a, if if the best if there's a player that comes. To the no, maybe who, speaking of the Washington Wizards, maybe yeah. the better example is is uh, Kyle Kuzma with the Lakers. Oh, that's a great one, actually. I like maybe that. That's a better one. That's a very good example. Oh, he was younger though. Totally, he, he grew, but yeah, totally. But then he went back to being the Kyle Kuzma we all expected as soon as he left. So like, although he had a really good year last year, but now he's like down 20 catching off the glass lobs from Jordan Poole Like he did the other night, literally that's down a, 21 points. Catching, <laughs> catching it off that's the a glass lob. That's a perfect, so, I was going to, well, sorry, keep, keep going. I'm, I'm just saying like, so much of this stuff has to do with circumstances and that are just totally and completely unpredictable and anything could catalyze that like Julius's son, Kaiden yelling at him that he has to get back in defense better because he needs a championship ring might catalyze that. Like Did, I, I, I that? it sounds like Kaiden says way worse to Julius than that. I love that kid. Kaiden Kaiden apparently just, I mean, according to Julius, Kaiden destroys Julius. I mean, good. So I I mean, which is your son. Kaiden six. I mean, it's hilarious. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Look, I, I, I'm like you, I'm on the fence, Uh, but it, yeah, it could be, it could be, it could be frustrating at times. Um, I'm trying to, Andrew, Andrew mentioned, Andrew mentioned in the chat, by the way, the tonight show story. Which Julius told on the Tonight Show when he yes. said that after they like lost their they'd won nine in a row last year and then after they after they finally broke the nine game winning streak, Kaiden said he should demand a trade. 
And yes, that is a hilarious one. Uh, but I've talked about it with Julie. Like Julius has told me stories of just like, like I remember last year when he did a TikTok with Kaiden and Kaiden asked him uh, how he would grade his season so far. And Kaiden said, you give him a C. And Julius, Julius, Julius will joke all the time. They're like, oh, that's my man, but he's my toughest critic. He just kills me. He kills me. That. He gets so upset when we don't win. No, I mean, Ju- I, Julius is, look, every, everyone should be as involved of a father as that guy is. You know, all he wants to talk about is his kids. Um, which is really cool. And that's the most important thing. There's, there's no more important job than being a good parent. I, I can say from experience. Uh, I mean, look, RJ just moved into, I think it was 30th on the all-time scoring list for the franchise. Yeah, 30th. Um, Julius is 20th and he'll get probably, I mean, imagine barring injury, he's going to get up to, uh, he's going to get up to at least 16th um, by the time this year is over. Maybe, maybe a little higher. Might, might pass uh, Harry Gallatin. So like, this is a guy who, I mean, he's, he's an important player in the history of this franchise. Like he's been around now for a while. We talk about Mitch being around, we talk about RJ being around, like Julius been around Year five, and you know, I know you know that. It's a fascinating career. Um, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how it turns out. I last thing I then I gotta go, and you gotta go too. We both have to go. I, why am I blaming myself? You're just as much at fault. Uh, give me one non Knicks around the NBA thing that you find interesting or funny or maddening or whatever. Just something you. Pacers offense is amazing. That's pretty good. The Pacers offense is so good and the Magic's defense is so good. Third in the league, right? Now? Yeah. Yeah. That's and and they were they were fifth or sixth in the league over the last like yeah. four months last of last year. season. Mm-hmm. I, I I'm just waiting at some point, maybe this year, like people who aren't in Orlando are gonna look up and be like, Hold on, is Jamal Mosley like an insanely good coach? <laughs> because and and the answer may very well be yes. That 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 is a ridiculously young team, and all they do is defend their asses off. And, and that doesn't happen with insanely young teams. It just doesn't, it just doesn't happen. And they have good defensive personnel, and because Wagner and Bancaro are so good with the ball, they're able to play these massive lineups. Uh, but Man, they play great ball together. They play really great. And I, I love watching the Pacers and I love watching the Magic. And they are they are awesome on totally separate sides of the ball. And they're both well coached and really fun. I think they're the two teams to watch in the East this year. I'm totally into both those teams. Uh you can tell me that either team uh snagged the top six seed, and I, I wouldn't be shocked. I was bummed that the Magic didn't have all of their guys for the matchup with Dallas because Mosley obviously was, was a Mavs assistant before he forgot the magic job would have been cool, but they were missing. I think they were missing like three or four rotation players for that game. Um, the Pacers, man, I went through with Andrew. We don't, I don't have time to go deep into this today, but I was, we were going through how many guys um, in the league are like more valuable. I'm getting the, 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 Pull sign uh, to their to their team's offense than Tyrese Halliburton, and I think it, I don't think the list is, is ten players long. I'll just say that I think he's I think he's going to get an All NBA spot this year. I think that's pretty easy. I mean, they didn't have Halliburton for one game against Boston, and they lost by five hundred and eighty six <laughs> points, <laughs> a, a bazillion points. Yeah, that actually um, might be underselling it. Can I can I add one more thing? You have like twenty seconds. Yeah, twenty seconds. It is. Who is shooting 46% from three right now on three and a half attempts a game? Is it Obi? Isaiah Stewart. Hey! <laughs> 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 okay. They knew. I really, we have to go. Um, thank you, Fred Katz. Uh, Fred, anything you want to plug or promote before you go? Uh, check out my work on The Athletic. Follow me on Twitter at Fred Katz. Uh, that is it. You're the man. Everybody go follow Fred. Subscribe to Fred. Uh, as always, we'll have a link in the description of this episode to his work at The Athletic. Um, you're not going to find better coverage of a team anywhere uh, in any sport. Uh, it's such a joy to read you every day. Helps me out because I get to steal things um, that that you say and paraphrase them as my own. So thanks for that. And uh, thanks for coming on the pod. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll be back with uh, more Footing Games very soon. Peace out.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.